This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Wow. Can we relate? You know, that scene describes a lot of marriages, a lot of marriages that are, some that are here today, perhaps yours. And it's not a good place. It's an empty place. But you didn't start out that way. Marriages don't start out like that. They start out with hopes and dreams and love and they, the enjoyment of each other. Marriages don't start in a rut. We have to allow them to go there. You know, once you were two people so in love, you wanted to spend every waking moment together. You could not get enough of each other. Uh, when I was dating Denise, uh, she and I will celebrate 48 years of marriage this August. When I was dating her a millennium ago, <laughs> I would sleep on the couch in her home uh, and just so I could see her in the morning uh, before, for breakfast. Uh, so I'd just crash there on the couch and uh, she would go to bed early and I'd, lay, she, I'd uh, talk to her mother after, for a while and then her mother would go to bed and I'd just lay there on the couch. I'd say, uh, ask her mother, I'd say, Nellie, would you mind if I stay here? She said, no, please. And I'd just lay on the couch, really passing the time, counting the hours until Denise would get up in the morning just so I could see her. Uh, I did everything I could just to be around her. When I wasn't around her, they didn't have cell phones in those days. When I wasn't around her, I was continually thinking about her. She consumed my every waking moment. I remember we would lay in bed at night and talk on the phone. The old, you know, rotary phone where you dial the number and uh, big old black phone and hidden, you know, hold it up to our ear and we would lay there and after a while we would just be breathing, listening to each other go. And I mean, we would do that until the wee hours of the morning. She had a little princess phone because she was a princess, but uh, we'd talk on the phone and uh, everything we could do to be around each other. You were that way. You remember when you talked all the time, you laughed all the time, you laughed uh, at things he said that weren't even funny. Uh, <clears throat> you were playful with each other. You, you sought out ways to make each other know, I care about you. I love you. You are my life. And you felt that you too, that you had something special that nobody else had. Now, don't look at me that way. 
You did. Denise and I did. We would talk about it, you know, and we would fantasize that we had that love that only movies could depict. And, you know, at the end, the the fireworks would go off, the breeze would be blowing, the moon would be beautiful, and and it would say, and they lived happily ever after. You know, we knew that's what we had. We just knew that somewhere we would be uh, in a restaurant or something and a movie uh, producer would come up and say, I don't know who you are, but we want to write a movie about you because you're so in love. You laugh, but I'll tell you, that's what we thought. That's what we felt. We knew no one had ever loved like we loved. As a matter of fact, sometime we'd watch a sappy old sweet movie, you know, maybe a... uh, uh, Rock Hudson and Doris Day uh, movie or, uh, uh, you know, a Cary Grant movie and someone that uh, Lauren Bacall and we'd watch them when we'd think, now I know some of you think, who are those people? <laughs> it's okay. This was back in the days when they made real movies. Uh, but... Uh, We would sit there and we'd watch that and they made it so wonderful. We'd look at each other and say, we have something greater than that. What we have is more powerful. It's it's more real. We realized and we believed with all of our heart that what we had was something very special. But somehow, along the way in marriage, Somehow along the way on our journey to that, the fireworks and them writing in script on the screen and they left happily ever after. Somehow on the way from where we begin to where we are now, something has happened and all that changed. Now instead of the things that movies and dreams are made of for a couple, for a husband and wife, it seems that all that is left is an empty shell of what used to be, of what you dreamed it could be. Marriage is now a boring routine. Get up, exist, go to sleep, rinse, repeat. That's life. You get up, you hurry, you eat breakfast. If you got kids, you're getting them ready. You both go to work. You do all the work. You're there during the day. You come home. You take care of the kids. You cook a meal. You get them all fed. And if you're a single mother, it's a lot more to it than that. You plop down in front of the TV to watch a little something to try to unwind. Then you go to bed and you say, good night. And probably that's maybe two of the only words that were spoken and communicated in the whole day. And you wake up in the morning and you go on and your life is built around the routine of what you must do instead of the life you wanted to live. Do you love each other? Absolutely. Absolutely, no question. We're not talking about a marriage that is on the rocks because of all kinds of things and they despise one another and they want out. We're talking about 
to people that love one another. Or a relationship where love, there is love. But are you enjoying life? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is this what you dreamed of? Is this what you were willing to give your life to one person for? Is this what you were willing to push all the other dreams and options aside and give yourself to one person for this? Is this all there is? You know, sometimes when you're at this place, you wonder, did I marry the wrong person? Did I marry the wrong person? What if I'd married him? That guy at senior prom that wanted me so bad to go out with him, that girl that used to always flirt with me in biology class. As a matter of fact, has chased me down on Facebook and found me. Would my life be different with her? Would I be happier with him? Maybe I'd be happier alone, just alone. Not having to try to be everything I need to be. Not, not having to deal with this nothingness. Just me. Maybe I wasn't cut out for marriage. Maybe I just need to live my life. Maybe I missed some fun. And that's what I need. Maybe, you know, I get married too early and... Really what I need is if I had, could go right now and just enjoy myself. You know, go to those singles places and and just hang out and laugh because on TV they look like they're having so much fun. And just live for me. What about me? Your thoughts may even wander off. And you allow yourself to fantasize about your life with another person. And before you know it, you're enjoying a life that's an alternate life. And your thoughts are over there and you escape to it. And you allow yourself to do that. But then all of a sudden, that guilt, that same old guilt comes back and falls in your lap and slaps you in the face and, and you shake off your fantasy. But deep down inside, even when you walk away from it, you're looking forward to the next time you can visit it and escape to that paradise of fantasy. But you're not going to do it because you love him. Because you love her. But it's just that this is so boring. And life is passing me by and this is so boring. It isn't what I wanted. I want, when I was a kid, I had dreams, I had hopes. This isn't it. What is the problem? Well, I can tell you, your problem is you are stuck in a rut. And a rut is merely a grave with the two ends knocked out. You don't live your life 
in a rut. All this month, the month of May, Denise and I will be teaching about love and relationships. And I'm going to say to singles, married, divorced, whoever you may be, this is going to help you. Because no matter where you are, you need some good reference points for a good relationship that is healthy and wholesome and that allows you to have the, enjoy and embrace the life you want with someone else that you want. So <clears throat> we're going to teach you in these next few weeks how that you can get life back on track, your relationship back on track, headed to where you wanted it to go all along. Now I want you to remember this. Remember this. You might want to write this down. You have just one life. You might want to write this down and stay instead of you, I, Remember this, I have just one life. I will make it the very best it can be. But I'm going to do it with my mate. Make the life you have the very best it can be, but do it together. Do it together. I'm going to read a scripture to you. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this. It's when God was creating man and woman uh, and the heavens and the earth. He created all the creation and his highest and last creation was man and woman. And God said this. It says, and the Lord God said, listen to what he says. It is not good for the man to be alone. Listen, Jesus said this, living alone requires a gift from God. A gift from God, because why? You would say, oh no, if you knew my wife, if you knew my husband, it takes a gift from God to be married. <laughs> But it takes a gift from God, Jesus said, to be alone. Why? Because he did not create us to be alone. He created man to live in relationship. But it's got to be a wholesome, good relationship. Because whatever can do great things for you can also bring great harm to you. Anything that can bring extreme joy can bring extreme pain. But God said it's never good for man to be alone. So I will make a companion who will help him. Who is just right for him. And then he says in verse 21. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the place from which he had taken it. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. Now listen to Adam's words. At last. 
the song. Can you hear it? At last. That song says it, see? Uh, and Adam said, see, someone came up with that concept long before the songwriter, at last. Well, if you read the rest of the story, but didn't take the time, the reason Adam said at last is because when God said, I will make a helpmate for him, it's not good for him to be alone. The next verses talk about Adam naming all of the animals. And there's a little phrase in there that says, but a helpmate was a good helpmate was not found among any of them. And so I'm telling you, every guy ought to love God. I'm telling you, every guy ought to love God because if he wasn't good, that girlfriend of yours could be saying, I'm glad that Adam had a good enough taste to say, no, I don't want that lion. No, I don't think that tiger. No, I don't think that cow. (laughs) Not the lamb either. So God made a woman for him and she is hit. And he says, at last, this is one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. So that was where God created marriage. So now let's look at how did we get here? How, do we, how does our marriage go from being one that dreams are made of to one that puts you to sleep? It's so boring. It's empty. Yes, we love each other, but there is nothing. Is this it? Day in and day out. And today I could just multiply it a bunch of times and that's my life. That's my whole life. And that's all there's going to be. How do we go from a happy, loving, life-filled journey that we were on to one that is boring and lifeless? How did we become two men, go from being two people that are madly in love to merely existing together as we saw in the little sketch under the same roof? Well, our answers in this next few weeks that we're gonna talk about this, as we discover the answers to our questions they will unfold to us our solutions. So today I want us to look at six key issues that you will always find in marriages that have become lifeless, that have lost the spark, that has lost are the relationships that have lost what God intended for them and what we need. And the first one is this. Six things you do to get in a rut. Number one, putting your marriage on autopilot. This is a trap every marriage falls into, every relationship that's been for any time. We put it on autopilot. Now, autopilot, what is it? It's a, uh, it's a engine or a system, a system within planes that allows the, a gyroscope and all this 
it's fly, the plane is flown by, it maintains the altitude, attitude, and airspeed, and it's done by the system, an automated system. Uh, you get, you can, now there, there are different types of autopilots and the ones and the planes that I used to fly. Uh, once I got up to my uh, altitude, then I turned on the autopilot and it flew the plane. And it's wonderful because uh, we call him George. We said, George is flying the plane. And he was an autopilot, or it's the autopilot. And it allows you to look at other things, to concentrate on other things. It reduces the workload for the pilot. It's great. A pilot can go to the bathroom. He can fill out his logbook. He can take care of other things. All he's got to do is monitor the, the, uh, the uh, instruments there, your six critical instruments. He monitors those and everything is fine. But the plane is flying itself. The autopilot is flying and handling the plane going to the destination. But you see, the problem is this. It works great in a plane because a plane is a machine, but a marriage is not. A relationship is not a machine because it is something between two individuals who are living people, who are ever-changing, who have a multitude of emotion and desires, and they, at any one moment, they're not exactly as the same as they were the previous moment. It's ever-changing. And so, you cannot take an autopilot and put that into a human being or into a relationship. When we put a marriage or a relationship on autopilot, we're wanting things that we just allow it to just take care of itself while we do what's important. We raise the kids. We make a living. We build a career. We provide a house. We buy a new car. We make sure there's a vacation. We're doing, we're succeeding in all of these endeavors while we're letting the uh, marriage fly itself. But when we do that, something begins to die. That something is the only reason, should be the only reason there is a house, there is a new car, there is a vacation being planned for, there, that there is money coming in, it should be about the relationship. And when we put the relationship back on the back burner and we make all of those things that support it become the primary things, we have no reason for even doing what we're doing. And all of a sudden, a guy wakes up one day and he goes out the door at 7.30 in the morning, gets in the car, and suddenly as he turns on the station and realizes, I'm doing the very same thing I do every morning. I do this, get in this car, I start it up at the very same time, I back out of the driveway, and I put it on that station. What in the world am I doing? Why am I doing this? He loses his center and his reason for him doing things and the wife is cleaning the house and doing this and maybe even working a job and she's taking care of the kids and doing all of this and one day she thinks, what am I doing?
And they both lose direction because they put the marriage, the source, the key, the only reason they were willing to go get a job, to buy a house, to buy a car, to do all the things they were doing is because we're in love with each other. We're going to build a future together. We want a life together. Now listen, a marriage that is untended, listen to me, daily. Autopilot's great. But if the pilot becomes incapacitated, the autopilot will fly the plane all the way to the death of the pilot and those on board. A marriage that is not tended daily. A relationship that is not nurtured daily. You say, that's a lot of work. Exactly. And here's what I found. We work on what matters to us. And my working on the marriage daily is my greatest demonstration that the marriage matters, that the relationship matters. A marriage that is not tended daily will fall from the sky and crash and burn. A good marriage is no secret, it's work. I remember uh, some time ago, uh, years ago, I was walking with a, a, uh, someone and they had a farm and beautiful crops and all this and they were showing it to me and, and uh, the guys, he was looking out there and we were walking along and he said, well, he said, the reason I got you out here because I want to ask you a question. He said, it seems you and Denise, have, he said, y'all have a really good marriage. And man, he said, I watch you guys and you're happy and you still laugh together and I can tell you're still in love. And he said, I don't get it. And know, he said, do you just marry the right person? And I said, yeah, I did. I did marry the right person, but I said that's not the key because you can make the right person very, become the wrong person and you can make them very unhappy. And he said, well, what's the key? He said, I love my wife, but he said, I don't know. He said, if you ask either one of us, we'd say, I just don't care anymore. I, I don't know what to do. I'm bored. It's the same old, same old. And I looked around and I said, oh man, I'll tell you what, isn't it amazing? You have all this acreage you bought and you bought it. And I said, look what it has done for you. I said, you just sit in your house, you uh, watch TV and the crops grow and then they come in and, and go to market and get sold for you. And I said, you got it made. He looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? He said, do you realize how much work you're looking at? I said, you got it. I said, you're looking at work. I said, you focus on this because it matters to you. I focus on our relationship because it matters to me. It takes work. It takes efforts. Let's talk about the second thing. Number one, putting your marriage on autopilot. Number two, putting other things first. Boy, I'll tell you what. 
I see it. All you got to look on Facebook and you see one of the things that takes the place of the relationship between a man and a woman is the children. It's interesting to me. On Facebook, you hardly ever see parents put pictures of themselves. Everything is the kids. And what I've seen in society today, I don't know what it is, but it's like homes are children centric. They're focused around the children. Their whole life is about the children. The Bible says children are a gift from God. But they don't belong to us. They belong to God. We are We are stewards of them, if you will. Yes, we'll always be their parents, but we just have a role in their life. We are not their life, and they're not our life. And if we don't step back and quit trying to live our life through them, we're going to cripple them, and we're going to destroy our own future. So many marriages suffer today because it's all about the children. And let me tell you what, when I was a young man, my daddy told me, he said, when I had our first child, when we had Stacy, he said, now, you've got a daughter. Love her, take care of her. And he said, be good to her. He said, be a good parent. But he said, look at that woman over there. He said, Denise is your wife. And when this one is gone, she'll still be here. And he said, if you don't build a relationship with her, you're going to hurt this one. It's good advice. See, too many parents today, it's all about the children. And the children are running the home. The children grow up thinking everything's about me. To where when they get grown, they go into a relationship that's about me. We need to raise children in a good, solid home. I always believe this. The greatest gift I could give to my children, greater than money, and I tried to provide for them. I worked hard to provide for them. But greater than money and all other things. I always believe the greatest gift I could give my children was two things. To love God, for them to see that dad loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, that I love their mother above every other person on this earth. And that she was first. See, like, when we would go places, we would, you know, I didn't, the kids didn't decide. Mama decided. The kids understood, you're not first. She's first. I get in cars with people, you know, and we go along. And the the two-year-old's deciding where we're eating. And I really don't want a Mickey D. But that's what we're getting. Because here's an adult that doesn't know how to be an adult. So they have said to the two-year-old, you're in charge of this home. We probably need to do a series on parenting. It is wrong to put your children first. I adore my children, but they knew it from the get-go. Mama's first. I remember when my oldest daughter became a woman. And suddenly I was living with 
not a woman and some children in the house. I was living with two women in the house. Now, any man that thinks, well, I'd love to have two women. (laughs) He either needs to be on something, (laughs) medicated, or he's lying. Because I had two women in the house. And sitting down at the dinner table, it was like a cat fight. And I would put my hand down and I'd say, I love you. You're my oldest child. I will love you to the last breath I have. But this is my wife. She runs this house, no one else. And so, and so finally I told Denise, I said, all right, one of y'all is moving. I choose you to stay. Find her an apartment. That's just life. Because there comes a time when that boy needs to move out. He doesn't need to be 30 years old living in mama's house. That girl doesn't need to be living in mama's house. And listen, parents, you're not supposed to be their best friend. You're supposed to be their best parent. They need other friends. They don't need their best friend to be 20 years their senior or 15 years their senior or 40 years their senior. They need somebody their own age. They need to learn to relate to them. And they need you to be a parent that can speak into their life and not be their best friend. Yes, be a friend. But your primary role is to be a parent to them. Number two, putting career and work ahead of the marriage. Career and work is important, but you see, we all have to make a living, but in the midst of making a living, the most important thing is to make a life. Build a life together. I've told Denise this. I'm a type A personality, and I know that. I get very focused, and I realize that. And I can... Tune out everything else and just zero in. But I know that, you know, it can be good, but it also can be bad, especially in relationships. And I have let Denise know, years ago, we had a conversation about this very thing. And I told her, I said, Denise, I will lose everything. I'll lose everything we have materially. I'll lose the church. I'll lose the ministry. I'll lose my reputation. I'll lose all we have as long as I get to to keep you. I said, I'll give everything else up for you. And she said, that's all I need to know. But now I had to live that out because she is a million times more important to me than money, possessions, and all the other things. Number three, we got to move through these. Number three, there are other things. You could sit down and maybe write a list of, okay, what has come between us? Career, job, other family, in-laws, that could be one that comes in. Let's look at number three. Why does marriages get stuck in a rut or relationship? Marriages get stuck in a rut because we quit dating. We quit dating. See, here's what we do. We think dating is for singles. No way, Jose. Dating is for us that we go home. We can go anywhere we want. 
at the end of the date and get it on. I mean, who else, who better to be wooing, pursuing, and making that girl feel like, oh, wow, I feel all tingly. I feel like a schoolgirl again. And that guy, his heart to get beating, and he's thinking, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, that movie's boring. Let's go. <laughs> who better? Who better? Listen, I'm not going to let singles out fun us I want to keep it excited listen I, we can come up with all kinds of things don't that I have you know just fun things to do crazy things to do all kinds of things you keep the laughter in there you keep dating and not the same old same old you know go into the same restaurant every Friday night at 7 o'clock eating the same thing saying the same thing it's not a date it's a part of the routine. Do something out of the ordinary. You know, I've, I, there's uh, one time, you know, uh, Denise got home and I said, let's go out. She didn't realize how far out was. I took her way out of town. We went down, I forget where it was. We went down to the beach. Yeah, to the beach, I think it was. And she said, where are we going? I said, don't worry. And after a while, she realized, well, we're not going to a restaurant because we're, we're all the way driving down in the country. I said, don't worry. She said, what are you doing, Steve Vickers? I said, we're going to have a honeymoon. And so we went out of town. She didn't know. She, she, she said, I don't have anything. I said, honey, you ain't going to need anything. <laughs> I said, all you, I'll tell you what, put me on. I look good on you. <laughs> but no, I had packed. Now, that's not bad. We're married. It ought to be good. I told my kids, hey, this is for mom and daddy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'd packed her a few. I said, I got a few things, you know. But we'd do things like that, you know. Uh, she would make, come up with ideas of something, you know, to keep it, you know, really uh, fun and exciting, you know. Why did you quit dating? Quit being a couch potato. Quit just, quit being so tired. Listen, if you're under 45, it's illegal for you to be tired. <laughs> You're not even old enough to be tired until you're after 45 years of age. I'll be 68 in a few weeks, and I'll tell you what, I refuse to be tired. Now, my body wants to tell me it gets tired at times, but I'm not, you know what, my body's not in charge. Like the man said, you know, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. It just, you know, I may have to, all right. You know, laugh together, talk together, have fun together. Make your marriage exciting. You know what? When I do that for Denise, when she does that for me, and there's times when I'd start something that as we got older, she may have been working all day. And Denise works hard 
still, I, I get on to her because she'll be mumping and doing all this stuff. And, and I say, baby, quit. And she said, no, I'm going to, I want everything. I'll come in, you know, and she's doing all this stuff. And, but uh, maybe, you know, I've got something planned and I'll say, well, guess what? We're going to do this. And there's been times she said, Steve, honestly, I've been working so hard today. You know what would be wonderful? Let's just sit out back and let's just uh, around the pool and let's just relax a little bit. And if you want to go get takeout, that would be good. Well, that's fine, okay? Because that's what she wants. But you know what? What thrills her is the fact that Steve was planning. Or maybe I'll come home and she'll say, all right, baby, I got this. And I'll say, honestly, tonight. And that's okay, but not every time, okay? You have, you know, you get a pass once in a while. (laughs) Number four, you quit communicating. We're not going to get into this because someone much better than me is going to teach on communication. Uh, Denise is going to teach on how to restore and revive healthy, wholesome communication in your marriage. Because communication is at the very heart of a relationship. Whether you like it or not, without it, it won't work. Number five, sex without intimacy. Now, I love sex. There, I've said it. I have a problem. She is too pretty. I mean, sex is wonderful. It's beautiful. And God created it. Like the man said, if, if there's anything else God had in mind, he kept it for himself. Because <laughs> sex is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful expression, a consummation of our love. But sex without intimacy can become empty and just an act. And before you know it, you almost the woman or the man can almost feel like they're just like two animals out in the field. That one's in heat, so there you go. They want intimacy. And again, we're going to talk about that later because intimacy is what keeps sex alive. Now close with this. Number six, we stop forgetting. We stop forgetting. We let stuff build up inside us that we never deal with. Little stuff. I'm not talking about the big thing. The little thing. A little innuendo. Something that wasn't done. A birthday not remembered. An anniversary not remembered. Or maybe just, well, today's our anniversary. Happy birthday, sweetheart. I mean, happy anniversary. Uh, And that's it. We let our something, a little argument that happened over nothing, but it did hurt. And we let things begin to build up. And we keep, they just build up, build up, build up, build up. And become like the horse that they were trying to bury, and the guys were shoveling the dirt on top of the horse. It was an old nag, and they didn't have the heart to kill it, so they just buried it alive. And because they loved the horse, but he was suffering. And so got, and all of a sudden, 
it was at night and they heard something and one got a lantern and looked and there was the horse standing right there with them by them on the ground they realized that every shovelful the horse would just go and every time they throw the dirt he'd pack it down until he was standing there with them see you can keep packing stuff away until all of a sudden that horse is standing there and you can't get rid of it. Every time you look at him, every time you look at her, that is there. There's just something. You're irritated. You're not enjoying the conversation. There's a little irritation. And the reason's because you stopped forgetting. When you were dating, you forgot on purpose because she was perfect. He was wonderful. And you made all kinds of allowances. Now, all of a sudden, you're keeping a checklist. You're remembering. We do that and see every little incident's like a brick, a brick we put in a wall. It's laid there. We just lay it there. We just lay it there. Until you're standing here and your mate is over there. And there's no longer seeing them. Oh, you hear their voice. You may look their direction, but they don't even, you're not even looking at them. And you can't sense them because there's a wall between you. That's what, where that couple was in the sketch earlier. That's exactly where they were. We become two people simply existing together. Let me tell you. You've got to learn to forget. Forget. Get rid of it. If, if you cannot learn to forgive and to forget, whether someone comes and asks for it or not, if you don't learn to automatically give it, you will never live a happy life. You will carry garbage around with you. One of my jobs is to take the trash out. I take clean out the trash out of the trash cans, put them in the trash can, and then take it to the front for it to be taken away from our home. Well, I'm going to tell you what, we all need to take the trash out every once in a while. Okay, so we've looked briefly at an introduction to what we need to do to get our marriage, our relationship out of a rut. So here we are. We know, we see some things of how we got here. And now it's up to you, both of you. What are you going to do with it? Are you just hearing something? Or are you going to do something? Are you going to work together to build the marriage you know that you both want and desire? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.